Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory forever. So uh, we were doing a test and Father Nathan made an epic belch. And yeah. now he has to imitate it again because we're recording over it. Oh. <laughs> it, it did make me, uh, it made me think of a story that I just spaced just now. Oh. I can't think what it was. This is doing this something is, over. Oh, I hate those. We're brain, doing something brain for the first time ever. We're recording on one microphone. We're like those 70 rock bands where the two guys have to stand really close the together. Duet, yeah. <laughs> and sing into one mic. More than a feeling. That's eighties. So, so was there a uh, was there a switch on this mic to make sure it comes out of both sides? Yeah. Ah, okay. Yep. Good to know. We are doing the figure eight pattern right <laughs> now, uh, whereas normally we would do the cardioid. <clears throat> I just looked it up online. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I'll say that that was handed very. That's the closest I get to cardio. Technologically smart. What does cardioid mean? Single. It's just single direction. Yeah, oh, okay. it, it's from a like a. It records kind of like a diamond around you, uh, whereas figure eight is doing both sides, but uh, not okay. Not, not the sides. Not on. Yeah, both sides. You and me facing each other, but not over there. I see. Okay. We have no guests today, so it's just it's just me and him. But we're doing this so that we can have guests in the future. True, and we tithed one of our mics. To Father John and Father Mike. Yeah. And I gave them the crappier one. <laughs> Enjoy that. Yes, you did. <laughs> yeah, because John, every time we would record, he would always take the good mic and give me the black one, which is fine. The black one works fine. But like when he wanted a mic, I was like, all right, then you're going to get the other one. But I appreciate when I came on this podcast, you just kind of... I did. I got it from John, and you let me keep it without even knowing that I did. one was better. You, you could have totally taken the good one, and I would have just been totally ignorant and... Not known, but that's why you're Father Nathan Goebel. I've actually just been like giving you the Sour Patch Kids that fell on the floor for the last <laughs> like. What's the one where they're more chewy and gritty? <sighs> I think we are drinking two of our favorite things tonight. This is definitely mine, Lafroig. Which there was one of the best promos on that bottle. It said, Lafroig tastes like. Do you remember? Peaty dirt. Close. <laughs> um, it the the promo said it tastes like kissing a mermaid who ate barbecue for dinner. Oh, I'm like, wow. <laughs> it's graphic. Sign me up. <laughs> I'll pay money for that. And I am drinking a surprisingly delicious pale ale. Oh, I was wondering why your cup was so full. I thought if that's whiskey. This is going to be a fun round, too. <laughs> Cuppeth runneth over. No, um... What is it? We were up We were up for our villa, and I was drinking that Odell sampler pack. Oh. And they have one beer that you can only find in the sampler pack oh. called Wolf Picker. Okay. Wolf Picker. And it tastes like pine cones. Huh. It's delicious. Can I have a taste? Um, are you sick? No. Okay. Are you? Have you been sick? No, not since Philip. <laughs> yeah, and I got corrected on what you had for your illness. Mm. Oh. Ooh. That is unique. Very unique. Yes. I don't normally like pale ales, 
I, I just I can't get into it. Huh. That is delicious. And yeah. that other beer that you like, Rupture, Rupture from is Odell's. amazing. It is amazing. That's my new favorite beer by far. Rupture from Odell's Brewery up in Fort Collins, Colorado. Absolutely amazing. The other one, the only other pale ale that I could not get enough of was when we were in Boston. When we were in Boston for our retreat, we were drinking this Whale Tail Pale Ale. Huh. And I have never found it in Colorado since. And it was so good. Father John likes St. Lupulin, but it's a summer ale, so okay. he can only have it when he comes back. So if you live in New England and you can get Whale Tail Pale Ale. Whale Tail, whale tail Pale Ale. Somehow get it to us. Or at least tell me where I can get it in Colorado. Okay, you can't get it from Tipsy's or no. Applejack? No. No. Really? Wow. Maybe I can order it from them. Okay. Um, the uh, But no, this is like Wolf Picker. And I have to give a shout out, Father Joe Grady who is kind of the typical youngest child. Right. He needs to be, he came to be served, not to serve, <laughs> you know? Um, I said to him, you're coming down from Fort Collins. Could you bring me some wolf picker? And he said, we're a New Belgium parish. Wow. At, at, uh, which is true, because a true. lot, New Belgium people go to St. John the 23rd, and I totally get it. Yeah. I have drank my fair share of New Belgium. I support them. Yeah. No problems. But they should tip their hat to a Odell right now. And sure enough, Father Joe Grady nice. brought down 12 wolf pickers nice. from the brewery, because he tried to go to the liquor store, and he couldn't get it, which means that he went to the liquor store and still had to make a further sacrifice. Yeah. Do you know why he did that? Good job, youngest son. Exactly. Uh, you bribed him or threatened punishment? Kind of. Okay. Corporal punishment has not worked with Joe for the last <laughs> six months, so I've had to try something else. Okay. Um, no, he wants us to come up and do a talk at... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So... Are we going to do it? I'm up for it. I will not go unless the president of Colorado State personally... And, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. Father Rocco's great. Say, or Father, Father Joe, Rocco. Father Joe's great. Josh Applegate's great. And actually, that reminds me. Um, so Father Nathan, unfortunately, cannot come to the Anaheim Catechetical Congress this year because it is our Companions Board meeting. Um, but my bishop uh, just called again today and wants me to go. So I will be at the Anaheim Catechetical Congress. Bring it. Whatever religious ed congress in Anaheim. Um, I'm hoping to have some pretty epic guests. Um, so stay tuned. We'll see. But it'll be me, Father Michael Lachlan alone. Sorry. Apologize. Um, at the Byzantine booth. It's perfect. At the, at the Byzantine booth. It'll be good. Um, so come see me if you're there. Religious ed congress. We'll have our uh, our Byzantine Catholic booth at Parkia Phoenix, and uh, maybe I'll need some uh, guests from the uh, audience if I don't if it's just me sitting there. So come in, and you might you might be able to be on the podcast. We'll see. We shall see. But of course, if we don't get another microphone, you know, you probably will be recording just with this one. Well, then I'll just we'll hand it back and forth. Well, now that I know that you can do a figure eight on it, we're fine. I actually think we'll do that because it's easier to transport one microphone, and we already have a stand. And the other ones yeah. are pretty pricey. Do you know how much the microphones are? Did I tell you this already for no. This American Life? Oh, yes. $4,000? $3,000. for This American Life. Which somebody said, that's scandalous. And I was like, dude, you would never get upset at a high-quality restaurant that had like a $20,000 range. Right. So, like, it's their microphones. That's right. like the most important piece of equipment. Right. 
So are they mad because it's public radio? Is that what they're? I don't know. They just wanted to make a comment. I do. I, I, I do. Ours like, are not three thousand. Don't no. worry, folks. <laughs> yeah. I do like the fact that Colorado, though the state of Colorado, can boast that that it does not take any funds from NPR. CPR, Colorado Public Radio, gets enough money from donors in Colorado that we don't need any help from the national. Do, 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 do. You're listening to CPR Denver, (laughs) KPOD. So what's up? (laughs) What are we talking about? Um, So let me switch from GarageBand. We've reached our limit of banter. So I I was afraid. I I thought you were going to finish the uh, CPR thing. Um, I couldn't remember it. Okay. So I was was afraid that you and I had such an epic event together this week on Wednesday night that we'd be doing the same topic. So I I picked the one thing from the ordination of Deacon Joel Barstat uh, that I knew you could not do a topic on. And that's because it was the one thing from a typical hierarchical divine liturgy of the Byzantine Church with the ordination of the diaconate that Bishop John decided not to do. What? Yes. He usually sticks his trident (laughs) into the candles, (laughs) making it flaming hot, and then branding (laughs) Deacon Joel Barstead on his buttock. That would be awesome. Left buttock. That would be awesome. But no, that's not what happened. So... um, Anyway, this, the this, ordination was amazing. The ordination was amazing. It was actually embarrassing because why? I was like, why wasn't I ordained a deacon in the Byzantine church? Because <laughs> yeah. this is so, so sweet. Yeah. It was, the, any ordination is amazing, but but the diaconal, because, of course, diaconia means service, there is an added element of, especially since, like, as subdeacon Joel, or now deacon Joel, excuse me, God willing, he will be ordained a priest. And so the, the, this is a transitional thing. Um, so there, there is something about, well, this is not the end. But with that in mind, you kind of have to focus on the, on the immediate. So one of the things I've realized just about our culture is that there's very much an us and them mentality. So there's like, for instance, I don't mean to get into something too controversial, but with, with like this whole idea of rape culture, when, when you see the, the like, People talk about rape culture, and when they talk about the solution to rape culture, I, I hear a lot of people, what I believe is missing the whole point. And they will say that you cannot, if you're a woman and therefore a victim of rape, typically, um, of course, there are men too, and then that needs to be considered. But if you're a woman and, and the typical um, victim of rape, that, that some will say that you cannot do anything to prevent and you should not do anything to prevent because the fault, since it lies on the man, which of course it does, the fault lies on the man since it does. Um, therefore, the solution to to rape, and if that is a cultural thing or just the fact that it actually happens without using that loaded term, um, what that means is that there are women shouldn't do anything to prevent it at all and it's all upon why don't we just tell men that that's wrong. Mm-hmm. And so there's this... I think any man hearing that immediately puts himself in an us and them category because any man hearing that says, I'm not one who would do that. There's no way I would ever rape somebody. And I, I hope most men that, 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 that hear about this would say that. But the reality is, is that that is an us and, them state, us and them statement. I say, I'm on this side. I would never do that. Other men that, that do do rapes are on that side. And there's this big chasm between us. Now, mm. that's a very extreme example. But very 
very extreme example, exactly. I kind of took the one that came to mind, but that, that was the most extreme. But there, there is this idea, I think, that most people have who are working for social justice. Most people have the idea that, that it is some people are just more prone. So like to, to, to take off from my last podcast when I was so frustrated with, with people that are spiritual but not religious, people that are so against organized religion. You know, there's this, the fact that that one woman said, you know, I teach my children compassion, you know, so that there's those who have compassion as their religion, and then there's those who have selfishness as their religion. Hmm. And and this is a chasm in between. Most people in our society, I think, think that. Most people think that it's it's me against them, and there's two types of people. There's Republicans, there's Democrats, conservatives, liberals, and, and, and this creates a massive chasm in between that I would never, it would be absurd for me to cross or to even find myself in the middle. So flat world believers... Versus round world. Flat earth, exactly, versus normal people. (laughs) That's, yeah. (laughs) So, uh, uh, harumph, that's what we say, right? Okay, harumph. Harumph. So, anyway, the, um, so, this, with with that in mind, um, the the part that Bishop John decided not to do, and most bishops in our American church decide not to do this, although I I think it's beautiful, and I, I think, I think they should, but is the the public vesting. So what what bishops was part of the hierarchical divine liturgy was any divine liturgy any Eucharistic celebration that involves a bishop if if he does the hierarchical divine liturgy which involves the candles you saw all this stuff it's a beautiful beautiful uh, divine liturgy where there's triketion diketion three branch candle two branch candle he blesses with both hands three branches for the three persons one god mm. uh, two candles for the two natures of Christ he blesses with them when he blesses. He uses both hands to do that. We saw all that at the ordination. It was yeah. beautiful. What he didn't do was the vesting. So ordinarily, he would walk in um, to the church only wearing a mantle. Now, this 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 mantle is a beautiful monastic mantle. It's it's a big black vestment that goes from his shoulders to the floor. It has four tablets on it for the four gospels that he preaches as a bishop. It has these um, like streams of color um, that symbolize the streams or the rivers of eternal life, Hmm. you know, from the prophets. And then he would walk in and then normally any cleric, you know, subdeacon, priest, bishop, if they're, if they're not doing a hierarchical divine liturgy, um, they all vest themselves. And a priest and a deacon always vest themselves. And the vesting prayers, especially for a priest and for a bishop, are extremely dignified. Mm-hmm. So when you're vesting yourself, you, you, you put on, the, you put on the, uh, the, the white undergarment. We call this stikiron. And, and when you put that on, it's all about salvation and baptism, the washing clean of baptism that brings salvation. When you put on the stole, what we call the epitrochelion, it's the anointing of the, of the Christos, the Messiah, the anointing of the one who is sent. So there's, there's, so you put on salvation, then you put on mission. Then when you, when you put on the, the puyas, the, the belt, um, it's all about going into war. So it's about, it's about power and about speed and, and, and about the, 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 um, the purity of, of of the battle of being on the right side. Then when you put on the right cuff, um, you, you say a prayer. All these have prayers associated with them. When you put on the right cuff, you put on the right cuff claiming God's power. When you put on the left cuff on your left wrist, you put on you're claiming God's creative ability. When you put on the felonian, the outer garment, it's God's justice. And so you put on these vestments and you, you're claiming these very dignified things like uh, being a priest and vesting is a very dignified thing so um, i'm going to read right now the the vesting prayers for the bishop and when you when you see these though you're going to see 
the middle ground that, that I'm talking about within Christianity. That, so the, the paradox of what I'm talking about with rape culture, it's, it's us and them. Within Christianity, we acknowledge because of sin and because of everybody's a sinner, we, can, we, we, we put ourselves in that middle area where we say, I'm not a hero and I'm not a villain. I have both in me. I'm not completely holy and I'm not completely sinful. I have both of those in me. And the Christian life is a journey in that middle area where I have to be humble enough to acknowledge that I have the potential to do something incredibly evil, but I'm also moving closer and closer through Christ's power to holiness. So... Um, Again, when you vest yourself, it's a very dignifying activity. But when the when the bishop is vested at, at a hierarchical divine liturgy, he is vested by the deacons and the subdeacons. They put his vestments on. Mm. And so it's a very interesting thing. So the first deacon says, and this is this is the prayer um, that the when, when you put on the, the first garment, the white garment, what we call the stikiron, that, that goes underneath everything else. Is this in front of all of the people that are gathered? Absolutely. Oh, wow. You walk in a cassock, you take off the mantle, the bishop takes off the mantle, and then he is vested in front of everybody. So, so the first deacon says, which is actually the prayer when you vest yourself, your soul rejoices in the Lord, for he has clothed you with a robe of salvation, with a mantle of justice. He has wrapped you like a bridegroom adorned with a crown, like a bride bedecked with jewels. Our God is merciful, and to him be glory now and ever and forever. So it's a very dignified thing. Then the bishop himself says, as they're putting it on, Herod and his soldiers treated Jesus contemptuously. They mocked him. After clothing him in a resplendent garb, he sent him back to Pilate. Hmm. So what you're going to see is, the deacons always proclaim dignity, and the bishop himself, as he's being vested, always proclaims the passion. And this is, I see, the paradox. And humility. Yeah. Exactly. The humility, humility and the passion and the weakness, the weakness of what's happening. You remember, he's a bishop. So then as he puts on the epterchelius, he puts on the stole, the deacon says, Blessed be God who pours out his grace upon his high priest like precious oil upon his head, running down upon his beard, running down upon Aaron's beard, the hem of his garment, always, now, and ever, and forever. Amen. This is what the priest says, too, when he puts on the epithelion. It's the, it's the oil of the anointing washing down over his beard. Hmm. And then the celebrant says, the bishop says, as they're putting on him, the band of soldiers, the tribune, and the Jewish guard seized Jesus, bound him, and brought him to Annas first. You can see where this is going. Yeah, powerlessness. Yep. Exactly. From power to powerlessness. Mm -hmm. The next one, the belt. Blessed be God who girds you with strength and makes your way blameless, making your feet as swift as the deer's and setting you upon the high places always now and ever and forever. Amen. The celebrant says, all the chief priests and the elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. They bound him, led him away, and handed him over to Pontius Pilate, the governor. So this is like St. Peter, right? The way he's going to die, he used to, to tie his own belt, but then now his hands will be tied, he'll be led away. So as, as what is normally symbolizing like war, speed, and power is now symbolizing being bound. Hmm. And so as the deacon proclaims power and dignity, the bishop himself claims humility and submission. As the right cuff is being put on, the deacon says, Your right hand, O Lord, magnificent in power. Your right hand, O Lord, has shattered the enemy. In your great majesty, you overthrew your adversaries, always, now, and ever, and forever. Amen. And the bishop says, Your right hand, O Lord, has triumphed. Your right hand raised me. The Lord's right hand has triumphed. I shall not die. I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. Again. Uh, yeah, I was punished. I was punished by the Lord, but not doomed to die. That's yeah. the same psalm. Yep. Hmm. And then on the left hand, the hands of the Lord have created you and formed you. May he give you understanding that you may learn his commandments always, now, and ever, and forever. Amen. The deacon says, 
And then the bishop says, your hands have created me, informed me, give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. He actually just repeats it on that one. That's interesting. He doesn't refer to the passion as much as repeating what the deacon says. Now, this then, then, then the, the, um, there's an epignation, it's called. This is, is used to be a sword. I mean, the bishop, and this came from the fact that monks, um, not every not every cleric, not every priest, and not every monk could hear confessions. It was a dignity in the early church given only to those who were, who were given that dignity of hearing confessions. Mm-hmm. And the way you knew that a monk or a priest had the dignity of hearing confessions was because they carried a sword. Nice. And, and it was it was it was it became very quickly like an ornamental sword, not like a real sword. Yeah. So now it's just a piece of cloth that's shaped like a diamond that hangs at their right. But yeah. the same prayer. Was he wearing that? He was. Yeah, yeah. I saw him wearing. Yeah. The, I was like, what is that thing? Yeah, a big diamond hanging down the side. And actually, now any archpriest or archimandrite, if you're given that dignity, then you wear one. Since every priest can hear confession now, it's given to a, a different dignity. If you're given that dignity by the bishop, kind of like a, a um, what would he call in the West, um, Monsignor in oh. the West, yeah. Archpriest or Archimandrite, right? yeah. Look like a pimp chain. Yeah. I was like, yeah, boy. Yeah. <laughs> well, he puts that on. The first deacon says, Gird your sword upon your thigh, O mighty Lord, in splendor and state. Ride on in triumph for the cause of truth and meekness and right. And your right hand will guide you wondrously always, now and ever and forever. Amen. What's the bishop say to that? He doesn't. Oh. I'm seeing. Yeah, that's interesting. He doesn't respond. Then they give the uh, the Sakos, which is like the Philonian. The, the first deacon says, your, pre, your high priest, O Lord, will be clothed with righteousness. Your saints will rejoice always, now and ever and forever. Amen. Which is the same thing a priest says he puts on his Philonian. And then the bishop responds, the soldiers of the governor took Jesus to the praetorium. They gathered the whole cohort around him. They stripped off his clothes, threw on a scarlet military cloak about him, weaving a crown of thorns. They placed it on his head and a reed in his right hand. So, and this is a very powerful moment because you see the bishop standing with his arms out like cruciform, its arms out to his sides, and they're putting this vestment on him. Mm. And so it, it is very much like a, they're putting on a, a garment to mock him, you know. Uh, and then we have the omophorian, which goes over the top of everything else. The first deacon says, this is the image of the son of God who let the, let the 99 sheep in the hills, went in search of the one who had strayed and found it. He laid it on his shoulders and brought it to the father to do his will always now and ever and forever. Amen. What is this called in the Roman church? The, uh, the Pope puts it on archbishops. The uh, pallium. The pallium, exactly. So this is like the pallium yeah. symbolizes the sheep, right? It is, Like yeah. pulled around his mm-hmm. yep. So the, the, this is the, the same thing that the omophorian is. They'll, the receive, is like a big they'll receive the pallium in like a week or two uh, on the Feast of St. Agnes. Maybe I'll do my podcast on that next time. Okay. Wink. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. So then a, a bishop receives what's called a panagia, which is just an icon of the Mother of God. You saw Bishop John having that. The, instead of a cross, he wears a panagia. Mm-hmm. And then the deacon says, may God create a pure heart in you. May he put a steadfast spirit within you, always now and ever and forever. Amen. Now, if he is a metropolitan and has multiple eparchies, dioceses underneath him, he puts on a second panagia. And he says, may your heart overflow with noble words, speaking your song to the king, always now and ever and forever. Amen. Then he puts on a cross. And the deacon says, the Lord says, whoever wishes to follow me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me, always now and ever and forever. Amen. The bishop says, protect me, O Lord Jesus Christ, by the sign of your holy cross. Grant grace to me, your unworthy servant, as I bear this cross upon my chest, so that I may overpower my unseen enemies. Then the crown, uh, the deacon says, we were at the end now, the deacon says, with glory and honor, you crowned him, O God, you have set 
On his head a crown of pure gold, you have laid upon him majesty and splendor. You have granted your blessings to him for length of days. And the celebrant responds, the bishop responds, Place a mitre on my head, O Lord, a helmet of salvation, that by your help I may be delivered from the snares of the old and ancient enemy. So, and then, then he gets the Tricarian Dacheti on the two candles, the three-branch candle, the two-branch candle, and then he begins the divine liturgy. So, but w- w- what you see, especially if you're, if you're, if you are a priest and you're used to saying the deacon's parts for the vesting and it being so dignified, you see when he's being vested, the bishop is saying there's an immense dignity in the liturgy I'm about to celebrate, my role in the liturgy, but I have to remember the humility, the powerlessness and the weakness of Christ that allows this even to happen. Yeah. You know? So that, that par- in other words, that paradox is is lived out in the way where we cannot we cannot say us and them. We can say I'm growing in holiness. We can say I'm moving towards Christ. But there's always this. I have in humility. I have to admit there's the potential for immense sin, and this keeps me watchful. You know, the, 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 there's this this virtue in the Eastern Church, the watchfulness. You know, the 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 cap over the soul, the the noose that contemplates. The, the deeper things that cannot be enunciated, um, that, that, that intellect, if you will, um, is, is watchful for what it lets in and what it lets out. Yeah. And that's what we need. We need to be watchful, have that cap, that eye of the soul on, on our soul that, that, that watches for what comes in and what comes out. And, and what, what it does is it breeds in us humility because we see what we let in and we see if Christ let me go, if, if he removed himself from me, and if, or if I shoved him away, which is, of course, is the, is the, the reality. Mm-hmm. If I shove him away, then, then I have to be humble enough to say, in, in a moment of weakness, human weakness and spiritual weakness, I could, I could give into these things. So I think the appropriate response to, you know, any sort of evil we see in the world, whether it's the evil of Hitler, the evil of someone who rapes, the evil of, of you know, a, a common thief, you know, there's always that except for the grace of God, there go I. You know, there's, there's always a moment of humility because within the Christian heart, paradox, the, the, the desire for holiness and also the capacity for sin. Yeah. And the, those things we have to be, in a sense, comfortable and eloquent in that place of saying we desire holiness, but in that way, we really are hypocrites. We desire holiness, but yet we're not living it out yet. We're moving in that direction. We're always growing. Um, but, but, but I think too much of the world, what was, that, what was that evangelical pastor down in the Springs who was like, he just, he preached against the evils of homosexuality all the time. Right. And then they caught him with some masseuse who did like male erotic massages. And it was like, oh my gosh, like, like yeah. you do like be humble. <laughs> Be humble. Sit down. <laughs> Be humble. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's really beautiful. Why do you think he didn't want to do it? Because it was a take too much time, yeah. or well, do do, yeah. mo- do do is there ever a time that the bishop does that in front? Most of Most bishops do not. Although Bishop uh, John Kudrick of Palmer used to do it all the time. That's where I've seen. It. I saw him do it twice. I, I think you mean it's your just, last bishop. Uh, no, the uh, when I went to the other events in the eparchy of Parma, Ohio, oh, Parma. I've actually never had a bishop who did it. I, I think it is it's a it's a bit of a time consuming thing, um, but but I I honestly say screw the people who don't you know yeah if you're who, at a divine liturgy at their watch. If you had a divine liturgy you you probably know like it's going to be an hour and a half two hours yeah right. the nice thing is you can eat in your car as you're walking up to the thing. <laughs> And you still can, have your hour. Yeah, fast. you can eat in the thing. <laughs> you can walk in the door eating. Yeah, yeah. But th- there is something about there is something about that about saying yeah, it's going to be a we we did the, or one on this earlier. Like it's going to be a long service. 
just submit to that. Don't plan dinner for two hours and enjoy the, the right. sacred space and time that is the liturgy. Yeah. Well, we do something not totally similar to that, but uh, while I'm in the sacristy vesting, yeah. uh, the guys come in and say, Father, are you going to watch the Bronco game? <laughs> or they say, Father, there's no toilet paper in the women's bathroom. It's a very sacred and ancient custom that we do. <laughs> Oh, that's oh, yeah. No, it's so true. That's I mean, I I really love the imagery in that in, in in part because sometimes people look at these really fancy kind of clothes that we wear. Yeah, you know, for mass, right? And I love vestments. Yeah, I love wearing like beautiful vestments. Yeah, not because it brings honor to me, right? But because like I think Jesus deserves to look like blinged out. Yeah. And I love when kids are in suits or like girls are in dresses and like we know that we are at something dignified, Yeah, you know, and we, I've said this before, but like whenever somebody wears like a Bronco jersey to the, to the, to the mass, I just right. want to be like, my friend, how did you come in without a wedding <laughs> garment, you know, but simultaneously, I, this isn't a comment about wearing stuff at mass. Simultaneously, when I see bishops wear suit coats, Mm -hmm. I physically, like, get sick Hmm. because it's like you are not supposed to look like the rest of the world. Right. And they just end up looking like the CEO of some corporation, and then they turn around and they got a cross on, and it's like, what is this all about, you know? So it's actually, I think it's beautiful, like, seeing, you know, your bishop wear the crown yeah. You know, because it's like we all have an exaltation in knowing like we are in the care of our father. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like I was I really felt like this is my bishop. Yeah. This is my eparch. Yeah. Like I was really happy. Sorry archbishop. <laughs> like I mean, archbishop does listen and I was very grateful that um that uh you ordained me. But Simultaneously, I mean, kind of off track, we were at the Marisol banquet for uh, Catholic Charities. Marisol is a a women's health uh, center in Denver, Um, and they're bidding on all these things, trips, sports packages, whatever. I'm like, I am not interested. All of a sudden, they have a cardboard cutout (laughs) of Archbishop Aquila. And I had seen it up there, and I did not know that they were auctioning it off. Okay. And they're like, okay, do we have a first bid? And I'm like, oh, heck yeah. So <laughs> I get that sucker up to $1,200. Oh, my gosh. $1,200. And do you know who outbids me? No. Your brother. Really? Your brother, Joe Joseph O'Loughlin. I did not Joseph know Joseph Patrick O'Loughlin. He sent me that picture to send to you, and I didn't even know that was where he got it from. He didn't say anything about he that. He outbid me. It's <laughs> hilarious. I was like, who are you? <laughs> yeah. That is so, hilarious. Anyways, um, to his credit, right. he did allow me to borrow it. Okay. He did not say that he was letting me borrow it. It just showed up in my office from Deacon Basil. Okay. <laughs> and I gave it to Deacon Basil, no, having no idea what this is about. Oh, really? Except that we have a mutual friend. I'm not going to mention his name because I think he did... A little bit of um, he listens all the time, and he. Uh, <laughs> I'm, 
I'm mouthing it to him right now. He gave it to me to give to you. He'll know when I say this. He was involved in the motorcycle and mm. all of that. So anyway, so there, there was. But I, I see the conversation with him was a little bit like, "This is this is not completely legit." <laughs> so I don't even know what this was. I just I was completely the mediator legit, for, man, dude. I'm gonna take him up on the top of a 14er. <laughs> like we're gonna go to Blackhawk. Like I am loving this thing. <laughs> but I mean, when I see when I see the Archbishop like in his full regalia, right. It, yeah. it actually adds to my mm-hmm. desire to to live my own kind of Christian life because I feel uh, his honor. But it's beautiful actually to see like the like the counterposition right. of if if the bishop is actually exhibiting humility, right? Then all of a sudden it's like, man, I I got to convert. Well, exactly. And, and at, at our time, the the current generation. It gets kind of annoyed by those things. They get annoyed by all the flashy vestments because they think it is just building up the person himself. But if you say, "Well, no, no, no," the crown symbolizes a crown of thorns. If you, if you, you know, yeah. the, the vestment symbolizes, you know, the, the 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 mocking of this man. You know, it's like, but both a soci- right, symbolizes exactly, both. exactly. Right. And and society will not understand that until we understand it. If we're putting on vestments and we understand the dignity, that's why I love my scufia. So I wear the scufia, the, the little kamalavka during liturgy, the the little hat. Um, right. That because there's very much a, it is a symbol of dignity. That when a, when a man wears a hat or a crown, it's a symbol of dignity. But then. At moments in the liturgy, like during the consecration or in the gospel, whenever you're kissing an icon or a cross, the priest always takes it off. Mm-hmm. And so there's this, it's not as, it's it's as much taking it off in humility as it is putting it on in dignity. And you, uh, but since you're celibate, you can wear uh, a different vestment than uh, married? It's a color thing. So you, okay. if you're celibate, you wear black for humility. If you're celibate, you wear any other color for kind of being in the world. Yeah. If you're not a celibate. If you, I'm sorry, if you're not a celibate, you wear like blue, gray, right, yeah. red. If but you, you can wear a certain hat? Um, the cloak or whatever? The cloak is, right. So the cloak is for monks. Oh, okay. So right now it, we... Gronsky had one of those. Yeah. Yeah. So he was, because he was Jesuit. Yeah. yeah. Well, so, no, he was a monk. He was a yeah, Mount, okay. Count Mount Tabor. Right. So if, if you're a monk or any sort of religious, you can wear the cloak and you can wear the veil that goes along with it. So there's yeah. this veil that attaches to the top of Kamalavka. That together is called a cloak. And that is a, a sign of, of the dignity of the monastic. It was great because uh, Father Father Keith broke out his fiddle back. Yeah. I was in, right. I was in, uh, I was in one of the vestments that like is at the seminary or whatever, yeah. but kind of, you know, dignified, very happy. Yeah. Father Mason was in his uh, cassock and surplus, and then he had on his what's the name of the Roman hat? Uh, I can't I remember. remember. I, I'll think of it in a second. Um, yeah, it's funny. I'm asking the Byzantine. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it it was a beautiful ceremony, and because Deacon Joel has such Deacon Joel Barsat has such a servant heart already, mm-hmm. he is so humble. I mean, this man is the academic dean at St. Giambiani Seminary. Yeah. He has a PhD. He's an amazing mind. And he went to seminary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he att- at the, he's at Seminary. He went to our seminary in Pittsburgh, our Byzantine seminary, just to be ordained a deacon. And then, and then God willing, a priest one day. And, and he was like, learning. Yeah. Like he was, yeah. he was humble enough to learn from him. Yeah. So. And he, he, he put himself in a place where he was actually teaching there because they needed, needed teachers. But he was also learning. And it just, yeah, his humility is amazing. So yeah. he'll, he'll be an amazing servant, thank God. Yeah, well, I think 
I think we would do well to remind like our clergy of both of their both of their roles. That paradox, you know? exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. sometimes it's like, you know, Father, like you you're so great, you know, we're so thankful, whatever. But also like just remind remind your priest or your deacon, you are our shepherd. Yeah. You are our sheep. You are um our servant. Yeah. Like you you're supposed to be the slave of all and the servant of all. Yeah. And the shepherd who lays down his life. Just right. re- remember that. Right. You know? Like slip that in their Father's Day card. Yeah. I mean, it's important. Yeah. So there there was a, a letter I got. I, I I think it was an email, so I'm sure I have it saved by this young man named John Fiscus who was in my parish and he it's not our tradition to have Saturday evening liturgies. It's not. It it's a, you you have it on Sunday, you have one in each parish. But he felt that even though he's a very traditional guy, he felt that that would be helpful to the parish to have a Saturday evening liturgy. So he wrote me this big, because I would tell people would want one. I would say, it's not our tradition. One on Sunday is our tradition. Right. And he finally wrote a letter after being in the parish for a couple of years. And he said, he started out the letter by saying, you know, here's my thoughts. I'm sure you want to hear them. You're the pastor. You make the decisions, but here's my thoughts. He spells out his argument for the Saturday evening liturgy. And then in the end, he puts... I know you want to hear my thoughts, but you're the pastor, and I will, in other words, I will not cause trouble if you decide to not follow what I've asked. Right. Because you, you, God put you in this position. I, I, I pray for you. I know you can make bad decisions, but I hope you won't. But here's my argument. If you decide not to follow my advice, that's fine. I will, I will be loyal. I will argue for you. I will not gossip. Yeah. And I was like, this is the most amazing letter Come from a preacher who disagrees with me that I've ever seen because it, it showed like I respect you and I will be loyal at a very basic level, but I think you're wrong on this, yeah. and here's why I think you're wrong. But the decision is yours to make, and I I, I appreciate that. And I understand that it was it was really amazing, and it honestly, in a human way, it made me consider his his position more than I had the people who were just kind of right. angry about it or something like that. Are there any? Uh churches in your eparchy that do a Saturday night liturgy? There's lots and lots. Oh, yes, really? There are. Yeah. I know. But I agree. Yeah. I mean, I've said that, you know, like to the to some people who have asked, like, it's supposed to be one yep. service. Yep. We do it out of pastoral necessity. Right. But if you can, like, it should be on Sunday and one. Right. So, anyways. Yeah. Different and, topic. Yeah. <laughs> different topic. Good. Well, uh, yeah. So, so good encouragement. Yeah, em- embrace embrace the paradox of the humility and the dignity of what it means to be human. And I'll finish with this. So, I a beautiful moment on Sunday um, that I, I began sp- talking to the kids in the children's homily, and I said, um, and I said to them, "What is the most underappreciated gift that God gives?" And that's how I started my children's homily. Huh. What is the most underappreciated gift that God gives? And my my answer in my head that I was going to use for my homily was time. Because God created time, and we don't usually appreciate it, and then I was going to springboard into my topic. But my 14-year-old niece, Shaylee, who you all know because she did the Child Likeness podcast. Shaylee's 14 years old. She raises her hand immediately. And I, and again, I, the question was, what is the most underappreciated gift God gives? And she said, the ability to sin. Hmm. And I was like... Whoa, that's going much deeper than I wanted to, but it's true. The ability to sin is is an immense dignity that can go horribly wrong if we use it to sin. Yeah, but it's you. an immense dignity. And and I think that is what 
That is what the heart of this paradox is. Like, I, I am created in God's image and likeness. I am redeemed by him. I am bound for heaven. I am a child of God. But I also have the ability to do horrible, horrible things. I can do amazingly good things, and I can destroy the world. All of that is built into my human dignity. And we should appreciate that dignity because of the paradox of the good and evil in us. Um, but the, the, the proper response to that paradox is humility. Like we need to understand that we only do good because of God's power and we have the potential for evil. So we need to be watchful against that at all times. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, shout outs. Shout outs. Ooh, I have an interesting one. All right, go ahead. Um, I was supposed to be in Chicago this week. Okay. And I wasn't for a variety of reasons, one of them being the ordination. Yes. Um, but since I was supposed to be in Chicago and was not there, I was supposed to have appointments, but didn't schedule them because I was supposed to be in Chicago. So I had a wonderful week doing a lot of, you know, like necessary things that have been put off. Nice. One of them being cleaning off my desk. And I found this note. <laughs> Dear forefathers, not our forefathers, forefathers. I hope you enjoy the gifts of candy and hard liquor as much as I enjoy listening to the podcast. Sadly, I don't remember what candy and or hard liquor i guarantee you it was consumed uh as i have mentioned in an email my wife and i are in rcia the podcast has been a blessing of good info thanks for all the great work god bless steve and sarah arnold i think by now they're catholic i think this was last year okay sadly uh it was been on my desk and got buried um if i could get a shout out to father jerry bird jennifer Ertle. Thanks for the love, prayers, and all the hard work you put into the RCIA classes from Steve and Sarah Arnold. Congratulations. If you're Catholic already, well done. If you're not Catholic already, uh, good luck at the Easter Vigil. Amen. I also sent a thank you card to somebody in Thousand Oaks, California. I don't know what they sent us. I just kept their address. I may have already sent them a thank you, um, but... Thousand Oaks is where Father Stephen Akers is from. So, um, thank you, mystery person. I, I'm glad you... I don't send thank yous if I receive things at my rectory. That's horrible. You mean for the podcast? Yeah. Seriously? I mean, we, we give them shout-outs, but... How do you get... How do you get... Uh, they know your address? And well, your for, for a while, that, that was what we had on Facebook. The Facebook oh, address. When we oh. When we had the studio there. But well, I, don't get, I don't really get them okay. anymore. We'll talk about that <laughs> behind closed doors. <laughs> okay. All right. Shout out to Heather Triplett. Um, used to be Heather Quinlan. Um, she sent this email. Hello, fathers. As an AI graduate who is now resides in the flatland state of Minnesota, I look forward to your weekly podcast for the content, but also to reconnect mentally with my Colorado years, how I miss those mountains. I write with an unusual shout out request that is time sensitive. Can you please shout out Fidesco USA, an international non-governmental organization that is like a Catholic version of the Peace Corps. Fidesco is faithful to the Magisterium, and all work projects are run by dioceses, religious orders, and some other Catholic organization. Huh. Father Michael O'Loughlin knows this organization, at least somewhat because of his parishioners, helped sponsor my year as a missionary. I served as an English teacher on campus minister at an all-girls Catholic school in Rwanda. It was an amazing year of serving, living simply, experiencing community, and so much more. The time-sensitive part is there is a discernment interview weekend scheduled for March 23rd to 25th, but Fidesco needs three more applicants for the weekend to run. Huh. If it doesn't run, I'm assuming that three current candidates would be tough out of luck. 
So, if you could send people to www.fidesco, F I D E S C O U S A dot org, F I D E S C O U S A dot org to investigate giving two years of their life to help the second or third world within a faith context, it would be much appreciated. So, fidescousa.org, they need three more people to do the uh, Come and See Weekend. I believe it's going to be in Minnesota. But anyway, if they get three more, then they can actually run it, give two years of your life to an amazing Catholic hmm. organization and help Heather out. That'd be great. It might be Fides Co. <laughs> F-I-D-E-S-C-O, whatever that is. <laughs> oh, Fides. who knows Latin now? Fides. <laughs> who knows Latin now? Fides Company USA or whatever it is. What the is company this, of faith. Does Fidesco not mean something in Latin? Well, Fides, Fides is faith, faith. but... Fidesco. It's probably like UNESCO. Okay. Anyways, whatever yeah. it is, go check, check it out. out. Be a missionary. Yeah. Think about yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, greetings, fathers. Big fans of the show. Always recommending it to people who ask for Catholic podcasts to listen to. A while back, your banter was all about the, quote, proper way to dip at Chick-fil-A. Personally, <laughs> mayonnaise and Polynesian. That's interesting. I the will try that. Things. <laughs> this made me think that you need Chick-fil-A calendar cards in your life. These aren't registered, so you can send them up. Are you familiar with the Chick-fil-A calendar? I'm not. So uh, every month there is a mystery gift. Okay. Um, sometimes it's like a soda. It's like, okay, dream on. Right. right? Uh, and other times it's like nuggets or the sandwich or ice cream or whatever. And you get a free one every month, but you have to go there. And you can pick it up. But... If you buy, like, say they give you fries. Say they give you fries, and then you buy a sandwich and a drink. The sandwich and the drink cost more than the combo. So you know what I do? I just go in to get the freaking fries. I'm like, just give me that. I'm just eating that. I'm going to get it. So, anyways. um, We're big Chick-fil-A fans, as it's the only fast food for celiacs. So we use these cards to save money all year. God bless Megan McKinnis from Bentley, Louisiana. Oh. I would love to go to Louisiana. So, um, thank you. I already have one. One of the ladies from my parish already, you know, like gave me one. Okay. I'm wondering if I can set up all three on my phone or if it's like one per user. Because oh. then I would get three fries. Okay. <laughs> Take some people out. <laughs> You'd walk in and get three fries, that's it, get them all for free. <laughs> yeah, and then give <laughs> and then it to homeless. Oh, there you go. Okay. Homeless. All right. So um, thank you. I don't know how to pronounce this name. Uh, Bernadette came to my church um, and wanted me to shout out Joe Rananli, R-A-N-A-N-L-L-I. Uh, your daughter, Bernadette, is great. She came to visit my parish, Joe, and uh, wanted me to give you a shout out. She said, Rana, yeah, I would him. Ranelli. It looks it looks Italian, but she said it because I typed it on my phone, but I don't remember. Ranelli, but it's there's R A N A N L L I. Ranelli. Either that or I typed it in wrong. <laughs> that that's a very I might have typed it in wrong. Maybe I had too too many A Ns. Anyway, and then um, my my friend. Um, well, let me just do this. Uh, Sophia Montessori Academy. Sophia Montessori Academy is it will hopefully be my parish school one day. Look it up, Facebook, whatever. Look it up, Sophia Montessori Academy. Exactly. I want to give them a shout out. Um, 
Pauline and Irene are amazing, amazing women. They have given themselves and devoted themselves to the Montessori education in Colorado. And Sophia Montessori is a is a Byzantine Catholic Montessori Academy in Denver, Colorado. Where they and, repeat everything to the kids three times. Exactly. 40 times during Lent. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so anyway, check out Sophia Montessori Academy and uh, send your kids there if you live in Denver. All right. Um, lastly, we have to acknowledge yes. that a certain someone passed the four-decade <laughs> mark. So... For those of you who can't believe this, the most youthful of spirit on the podcast, next to Father Mike Rapp, is Father Mike Lowell and he just turned 40. 40 last Saturday, big 4-0. <laughs> you're definitely not excited about it. Oh, not. Well, I mean, it's like, I don't mind. Like, once you're a priest, like, right. where, where else is there to go? Like, I, I've... I've done everything I want to do with my life. As a priest, like, I can rest and say I'm not, I, don't, I need no more self-promotion. I need no more self-anything. Like, I can rest in this vocation. So it's yeah. like, I could be 60, I could be 80, I could be 90 right now and be right. just fine because I've accomplished everything I want to in my life. Jesus accomplished everything in my life that I ever wanted. And so bring it on. Bring on old age, bring on 40, bring on 50, bring on 60. I don't yeah. care. I want... I don't care. I want... I have one more thing on my bucket list. I want to receive the apostolic pardon before I die. Ooh. Because I'm like... Yeah. <laughs> there's like certain things that I'm like, yeah, I want to do that. I want to do that. I want to receive that so I can know I can like, you know, kind of go on. So if we're like ever at a companion's event and you pass out and you're Just unconscious because you're Just passed out, I will walk up all whispering to your... Go to confession in your mind. <laughs> yeah. And then I'll give you the absolute part. And when you wake up, I'll tell you I gave it to you. Do you guys do you we guys thought you were dead. Do you guys do that in the Byzantine Church? We have it in our books. It's not the most it doesn't really fit our concept of mm. death and indulgence, but we have I'll it take both. Books. I know. So I've I've done I'll it. I did it to my grandpa. I did it for my grandpa because I thought, I'm not gonna mess around with this. Like at, right. at the moment of death, it's like why worry about church politics or the, the right. essence of theology. If it's in our book, given by our bishops, I will do it. That's right. So yeah. if everyone can say a prayer for Father Michael for his 40th birthday, that uh, he is granted many more years. Yes. Double double the years he has now. And more. Unless I get sick, then I want to die at 50. Okay. <laughs> or we could pray that against that. <laughs> All right, folks. Uh, Catholic stuff podcast at gmail.com. We're now on Instagram. We're now on Instagram. Instagram. Check us out on Instagram, Catholic stuff podcast, I'm guessing. Um, Facebook, Twitter, all that. And uh, and yeah, if you're in California, come to the uh, Anaheim Catechetical Congress and we'll miss Father Nathan and we'll uh, really meet me. Final right. shout outs to, uh, let's see here, Maine, uh, yes. the state of Maine. You got to keep it up. And. Let's just go with Arkansas, Maine and Arkansas. <laughs> you guys keep it real. If you happen to, you know, like be interested in going to a great conference in a few weeks, keep listening. See you later.